to speak to you on this subject wherever he leads. Wherever he leads. Acts chapter 8, we'll begin to read in verse 26. Would you please stand with me this morning, all those that can and are able and honor and reverence for the reading of God's holy word. In Acts chapter 8, begin to read in verse 26. The Bible says these words. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake his chariot. So Philip ran to him. And heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you were reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come and sit with him. The place in the scripture where he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? for his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now when they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went out down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, passing through. He preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your precious Holy Spirit would challenge us today. God, I pray if there's someone here who's never turned from sin and by faith trusted Jesus to be Lord of their life, God, I pray that your Spirit will do the work that only He can do, that He'll convict them of their sin and their need for Christ. God, I pray you'll help them to see through your Word today that the place called hell is waiting on them if they don't turn and trust Jesus to be Lord of their life. God, I pray that you'll strip away any apathy that may be that we've allowed Satan to attach to our hearts through spiritual neglect uh, that's caused us to become callous toward lostness. Lord, we're just indifferent. I pray hell will be real to us again. Lostness will be real. And I pray that because of the great love that we have for you and the love that we have for our neighbor, you'll find us faithful in these days. Just like Philip, wherever you lead us, we'll be going living on mission. Bless this time. Your will be done in our hearts and lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And I'll invite you to be seated. We began this study several weeks ago um, in the book of Acts uh, to remind ourselves uh, what life was like for the early church in the early days, those beginning moments of the church. And then that will help us in these latter days uh, to be found doing those same 
things. And so we saw the mission. We saw how the church was born, how the Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. We saw on other dates prior to beginning this uh, the great courage that Peter and the apostles had as they stood before the Sanhedrin, how they were threatened, but they, because they loved the Lord and they loved others, they just kept preaching the message and moving forward in faithfulness. Uh, what we didn't see uh, was in that we didn't preach through was the chapters of 6 and 7 where we saw Stephen uh, be martyred for his faith. He just preached one of the greatest messages that had ever been preached, and at the end, uh, his life was taken through him as they stoned him to death. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, Saul was consenting to his death. That's who we'll see in Acts chapter 9 as he turns from sin, become the apostle Paul. But because of the persecution of the church, because the devil was moving through the hearts and lives of other people, don't miss this, to try to hinder the word of the gospel from going forth, it really didn't stop the work, it only helped it. It displaced believers from where they were in Jerusalem, and they just began to move out into other cities. And as they moved out, they just kept living on mission. They just kept sharing the gospel. And such was the case as Philip went to Samaria, verses 4 through 7 uh, in the book of Acts. He just went to Samaria, which was the capital city of the northern kingdom. Remember, after the death of Solomon, there was a civil war, and the kingdom of Israel split between the north and the south. And so there Philip just preached the gospel, and people got saved, verse 8 says. But because this, this happened, because people were being obedient, wherever the Lord led them, just to live on mission and to share the gospel. And listen, that's what God's called us to do in these days. We live in a time of relative peace. I know America's different than it was 10 years ago, certainly than what it was 30 or 40 years ago. But we still do have a constitution that guarantees us the right, the freedom of religion, and we can move about with freedom and declare that Jesus is Lord. We have brothers and sisters in Christ who try that in Afghanistan right now and see what happens if you declare that Jesus is Lord. And so there are believers there that are living on mission, trying to be faithful that God has called them to do in the face of persecution. God help us in these days to be faithful, to live on mission wherever our feet carry us, sharing the gospel with those who have never been saved. We're going to see Philip do that today. I want you to notice four things that are going to take place wherever the Lord leads you as you live on mission and be an on-mission Christian for him. First off, there must be compliance in service. There must be compliance in service. Look what the Bible says again in verse number 26 of Acts chapter 8. The Bible says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. And this angel's going to give him the mission, the message, the specific message of where God wanted him to be, where his preaching assignment was going to be. Just by way, though, of introduction, uh, I find it interesting, you know, that the, God sent an angel to tell Philip where to go, but he didn't send an angel to the eunuch to tell him the gospel. Friend, listen to me. An angel can't tell something that they've never experienced. See, the angel had never been born again. The angel never trusted Jesus to be Lord. Like Philip had. He could go tell what Christ had done in his life. And that's what we do when we're witnesses. We simply tell others what's happened to us. But, but it's interesting to me that Philip's begun a new ministry in Samaria. Don't miss this part. The church is growing. People are being saved. He is established People know who he is. We, we didn't preach through verses about what happened with Simon the sorcerer and how he with Peter withstood this wicked man. And so he's the big sheriff in town right now. 
Philip's, he's got a great ministry there. And God calls him to step away from that ministry. And the Bible says, the last part of verse number 26, look at your Bibles, don't take my word for it. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says this was a place of desert. This was a deserted place. He says, I want you to go to a place where there is no thriving church. There's people who don't believe like you. And so he instructed him to go to a place that he wouldn't necessarily have chosen. And he was to go preach. He was to evangelize. And notice this. Philip was willing to be obedient to wherever it was that God sent him to go. He had a compliant spirit. Friend, you're never going to be used by God as a child of God. Effectively in what God wants to, to accomplish in your life, unless you have a spirit that desires to be compliant with whatever God's will is. And sometimes it's going to cost you. Sometimes you're going to have to separate from what's familiar and what's easy. And God may even send you to a desert place, so to speak. It just, you know, as, as a metaphor. He may send you to a place where it's dry, where it's lean, where there's people that don't believe exactly like you. But it takes trust to believe that God is sovereign. He knows what His plan is. He knows what's best. And He wants to use you for a specific purpose to accomplish His will in someone's life. And so Philip was going to be willing to be obedient. And because of that, God used him because he was surrendered. And so he served and he shared under much persecution, but God used him all the same. We need Christians, we need disciples who have that same spirit today. We're living in such a society today, friend, where if everything's not cushy, air-conditioned, if the seed isn't just perfect, so to speak, in every part of my life, then I don't want any part of it. And I want to assure you, friend, that's not the way it's always going to be when you serve the Lord. And it shouldn't be that way. Friend, listen, when the sun is always shining, we're tempted to be less dependent upon the Lord. But it's in the hard times. It's in the difficult places. What Tori's saying, it's when our bread turns to stone, friend, that's when we must turn to Christ and trust in Him and His power alone to work through us and in spite of us. So it's not always going to be easy. If you're going to accomplish what God calls you to do, you've got to have a spirit like Philip that's willing to be compliant. And to do that, listen, it takes sensitivity to the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says the angel of the Lord spoke to him. The Bible says in verse 27 that he arose, he went, he continues on. And then in verse 29, the Spirit begins to speak to him, begins to lead him. Friend, you cannot be led by the Holy Spirit of God if you have unrepented sin in your life. And when I say that statement, someone says, well, I mean, I, I, I guess I can't be cheating on my wife or embezzling money or, you know, or, or, you know have uh, some big grand Ponzi scheme going. No, friend, all sin is sin. If you're not reading your Bible every day, you've got unconfessed sin in your life. If you're not filled with the Spirit, that's unrepented sin. It's not just sins of commission, but it's also sins of omission. The Bible says in the book of James, to him knoweth do good and doeth it not, to him it's sin. And if you have any unrepented sin in your life as a believer, you're not going to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit seeking to direct you and guide you where God wants you to be at that very moment. And did you ever think about this? You might be the very last person that someone's ever going to talk to before they step into eternity. We don't know what happened to the eunuch after this. Maybe his chariot rode off the road and he died before he got back home. We don't know. Philip may have been the very last person that that eunuch ever saw before he stepped into eternity. 
God may, friend, be laying people upon our hearts and seeking to guide and direct our lives to put us in front of someone that's headed towards a devil's hell to challenge them and encourage them and share Scripture. And if we don't have a spirit that seeks to be compliant to God leading us wherever He wants us to go, we're going to miss out. But, friend, most of all, they're going to miss out. They're not going to hear the gospel. And how sad it would be to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and Jesus to hold up a list of names. You say, Lord, who are those? Those are the people that are in hell right now that I tried to get you to go share with. But because it wasn't convenient, because it wasn't comfortable, you wouldn't go. Friend, I'm thankful that somebody stepped into an uncomfortable position when I was a child and taught me in Sunday school. I'm glad that someone was a vacation Bible school worker with a child that didn't always sit still. I'm glad there were youth workers, in spite of my, my attitude that wasn't always perfect, that just kept sharing the Word and praying for me and encouraging me. They put themselves in uncomfortable situations. Because I want to tell you something. People that work with youth, they ought to get combat pay. Because they just sit and stare at you and chew gum. I'm so thankful that there were people that were willing to be led by the Spirit. Thank God for those that worked with Bentley. That so every person that ever taught a Bible lesson and shared God's Word, you had a hand in seeing that young man trust Jesus Christ to be his Lord and Savior. And so it's more comfortable to sit here on the pew, but it's less comfortable to get up and to go serve, to be a listener in Awana. But friend, beyond that, listen, when we leave, listen, when we leave this building and we're deployed, not dispersed, we're deployed on mission out these doors, that's where we live on mission. It's in the neighborhood. It's on the job. It's with our family and our friends. That's when God calls us to go to difficult places and to be faithful to share the gospel. It takes sensitivity. We need to get to work. There are millions in our world they're living in bondage. And I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ, Philippians 2 says, left all the pleasures, all, this, all the glories that was His in heaven, set it all aside, came to this sin-cursed earth, took upon Himself the form of a bondservant, made Himself of no reputation, and was obedient even to the death of the cross that I might be saved from my sin, and so could you. He was compliant to the will of God. He was compliant in service. Verse 27 says he didn't talk about going. He didn't sing about going. The Bible says in verse number 27, he arose and he what? He went. He went. He put legs on his verbal commitment and he went. I was at 1 Samuel 15 and verse number 22. The Bible says this, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Do you know what that verse means? Listen to me. It means that, friend, if you don't have a compliant spirit, listen to me. If you don't have a compliant spirit that's willing to be obedient, to live on mission, it means absolutely nothing to God when you stand here and sing every Sunday morning. You know, what a friend we have in Jesus when we all get to heaven. You know, thank God for the blood. All that means nothing to God because you're not willing to be obedient. Listen, the Bible says again, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed and the fat of rams. What God wants to hear and what God wants to see from the life of His children is, yes, Lord, I will go. 
Yes, Lord, I will go. So if you're going to be faithful wherever the Lord leads to, to live on mission, it's going to take compliance and service. And secondly, it's going to take connection with sinners. It takes compliance and service, but there must be connection with sinners. Friend, listen, lost people are the object of Christ's love. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for lost people. And a lot of people ease into the church and get set on the end of the church, and church folk are all they ever want to be around. But friend, if you're going to win someone lost to Jesus Christ, you have to make a connection with their life. Now listen, I want to be very careful when I tell you this. We're to influence them to Christ, but we're not to be influenced by them away from Christ. So we don't, we don't, we don't take ourselves down into their sin and live a sinful lifestyle in, in trying to encourage them We go to where they are, and we encourage them to come out of sin to Jesus Christ. So Philip went to where the eunuch was. Look what the Bible says in verse number 27. We're introduced to the person he's going to share with. God specifically told him where to go, and so he rose and went. And behold, there was a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, a great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury. So here's the minister of the treasury. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. This was some man that God had begun to work on his heart, and so he came to the religious capital of the world, and he wanted to find out what all the hubbub was about the the carpenter from Galilee who had died on the cross, and now people said he had arose from the grave, but they couldn't find him. And now there were all these people who said that they had been saved, and all these people started coming out of of an upper room, and they're talking, and everyone can hear the the gospel in their own language. Uh, Lives are being changed. Blind people can see. Crippled people can walk. Even the, the, the more you persecute them, the more they preach. And so word had spread out. And this man heard about that. And God used all those current events to draw this man, to do what only the Holy Spirit could do, to convict him of his lostness and his need for Christ. And he began to draw him. And so the man, just, he responded to what light that he had. And so he came to Jerusalem. And he began to ask questions and and to look. And he was returning, verse 28 says, he was going back home. He figured out all he could. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. He He had purchased a little scroll, a souvenir scroll of the book of Isaiah. And he was reading from it. And so Philip connected with him. He saw him, the Bible says in verse number 29, that he went near him. The Spirit began to speak to him. And he ran and overtook his chariot. And he had urgency about it, friend. He ran to him. The Bible says he just didn't walk. Well, God, I'll get to it. Now, I've got some things. Well, God, we've got ball. You know, and we've, got, we've had a vacation scheduled up. We didn't get insurance on it. We've got all these things. We've got, and if it's a retiree, you've got a doctor's appointment every day. We've got doctor's appointments. Well, no, no, we buy our groceries on Tuesday, God. That's what we always do. We buy groceries. And friend, I'm telling you, it is possible to so schedule your life, you have no time for God to work and to lead and guide you. But Philip's calendar was open. And the Bible says he, he made haste. He ran to him. And friend, that's the urgency the church needs. And I submit to you the reason that, listen, if a fire broke out here this morning, I promise you people wouldn't lollygag getting out the door. God forbid, but if someone stood up here this morning with a gun and said the last person in is getting killed, I promise you people wouldn't say, well, I'll get up. I'm not done taking my nap. 
People would move with knees and elbows to get out the door. But when you try to challenge and talk to the church these days about lostness and about hell and the reality of it, there's an apathy and an indifference that's, that's draped itself over our lives because we've allowed it to. Friend, I want you to know, hell's just as hot as it was when God created it for lost people. And nothing has changed, friend. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. The wages of sin is death. That's where all lost people go. But we've allowed the devil to anesthetize us to that. And the urgency is no longer there. You try to talk to people about hell, and, and they, listen, they, just, they sit and look at you like a calf looking at it, and you get like a lot of people are looking at me this morning. I really believe, friend, if our hearts were more broken over lostness, there would be a difference in the way America is today. I want you to know something, friend. The problem in America is not because Donald Trump lost. The problem in America is not the Democrats' fault. The problem in America is that there is lostness that is leading this country. The only thing that can change the direction of this country is a spiritual awakening that can only come when men and women turn from their sin and trust Jesus Christ to be Lord of their lives. It's when dads stop being deadbeats, get saved, and be the spiritual leaders of their home. Cut the lace off their Levi's and be the man of God that God's called them to be in the home. It's when women support their husbands and lead their family in the strength and admonition of the Lord. Parents, grandparents teach their children in the way that they should go so when they're old, they'll not depart from that training. And the church gets serious about great commission work, leaves the building, and on fire like Philip goes out and shares the gospel with lost people. That's what will change the country. Fires of revival will come to the church. There'll be a change. There'll be a difference. There'll be brokenness over lostness. But where are the tears? Friend, listen, I fully believe if someone gets sick, we need to pray for them. But every Wednesday night since I have been in ministry for 21 years, we spend more time praying saved people out of heaven than we do lost people out of hell. The majority of the prayer concerns that go out, it's not over somebody that's lost, it's over a Christian that needs to get out of the, out of the doctor. Or at least they, we, they tell people they're saved. But where's the burden over lostness? He ran to him. He had a burden. He wanted this man to be saved. And so he connected with him. Look what the Bible says in verse 32. The place in the scripture where he read was this. It was from the book of Isaiah chapter 53. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before its shear is silent, he opened not his mouth, and his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation, for his life is taken from the earth? So the eunuch, he, he looked at Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this, of himself or, or of another man? But, but Philip asked him, friend, in verse number 31, he, he, or in verse 30, he said, do you understand what you're reading? Don't miss this. He used what God gave him, and he made a connection with the man. He just didn't roll up into his midst and just start preaching the gospel at him. He made a connection with him. He observed where he was, what was happening, what the, what the current situation was, what was going on in the man's life, what he was doing. And he tried to, to build a relationship with him. Friend, you're going to be far more effective in sharing the gospel with people when you try to build a relationship with them. When you make a connection, 
of some kind. And, and he just he did what he he used what he had. And so the Holy Spirit was working in Philip, the Holy Spirit was working in the eunuch. We're going to talk about that more tonight in discipleship. Experiencing the power that you need as you live on mission. But God moved on Philip's heart to say, hey, ask him what he's reading. And he began to share that. And then Philip sees that as a platform to be able to share into his life. It's because the Holy Spirit was at work in two different hearts. And friend, I'm telling you, we're surrounded by people often who are seeking after God, and we don't even know it. What I've been encouraged by ministry in these past years is this. I do what God calls me to do, but what I'm so thankful for is when I get in my truck and go home, the Holy Spirit does what He does. You see, this morning, the Holy Spirit's at work out here today. I can't see it, but I know that He is because He's promised that He would. If you've never been saved before, there's never been a moment where you've repented and trusted Christ to be Lord of your life. The devil's whispering in your ear, it'll all be over soon. But the Spirit of God, friend, he's convicting you of your lostness. He's convicting you of your need to trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. You're going to be assured through God's Word and just meant that Jesus loves you. He died for you. He'll save you and he'll change you if you'll only turn and trust him. The devil's at work, but God's at work through the work of his Holy Spirit. And when one-on-one, be it at work, in the grocery store, down at the ball field, out at the bait station or at the boat ramp, don't leave you ladies out at the shoe shop, wherever it is, down at Hobby Lobby, the Holy Spirit's at work. And if you'll just go fishing, and you'll look for those opportunities and be led by the Spirit, and then use what you have in front of you, God will give you the opportunity to make a connection with people. It may be the smallest little thing, but it's enough just for the Holy Spirit to work through for that person to really see that you care about them. That you care. And that you, want, you don't want to just invite them to church. You want to talk to them about salvation. And it may be a relationship that has to be built over a period of weeks, months, and maybe even years. But the connection must be made. You can never lead someone to Christ, friend, if you don't make a connection with them of some kind. And it's uncomfortable. It's messy. You've got to get into their lives and hear their problems and to talk to them and just to be still sometimes and listen and wait for God to open the door. But make no mistake, a connection must be made. But it begins by having a soul conscience. Not just seeing a person, but listen, seeing a soul for whom Christ died. One of the greatest evangelists that ever lived was the man by the name of Billy Sunday. And someone asked Brother Billy one time before he died, they said, Brother Billy, how is it that you just stay so focused on the lostness of people? And this is what he said. He said, everyone I meet, I see a big red L on their forehead until they can convince me and prove to me that they've been born again by the grace of God. Everybody he saw was lost. Didn't matter if they told him what church they were part of, how many years they'd been a deacon. Pastor didn't matter at all until they could convince Billy that they'd been born again. They were lost. That's, and that's the way he stayed tender. And he just kept moving forward in faithfulness. You must have a soul consciousness, and you must use whatever available to connect and build a relationship. So there's compliance and service. There's connection with sinners. But third notice, there's counsel of Scripture. If you're going to be faithful wherever he leads to live on mission, 
Friend, you have to share the word of God. Well, look at what the Bible says again, verse number 29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near. He sees the, the eunuch. He sees him reading. He says, go near and overtake the chariot. So Philip ran to him. He heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He said, you understand what you're reading? And again, friend, he could. And 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, a lost person, the natural man, perceives not the things of God. Neither can he know them, for they're spiritually discerned. They're foolishness to him. Lost people will never understand God's Word because the Holy Spirit doesn't live within their heart. And so he went forward to try to begin to explain all these things to him. And so he confronted him. He says, do you, you understand? Do you understand what you're reading? Now, listen, the eunuch could have been offended at that. He could have said, well, yeah, I am. Do you know, do you know who I am? I'm Candace's treasurer. From Ethiopia. Who do you think you are asking me, do I understand? Of course I understand. But see, Philip had gotten over the fear of rejection. What gripped his heart more than the fear of rejection was the fear of disappointing the Lord. Did you get that? He wanted to be faithful because he loved the Lord and he loved his neighbor. And so he asked him, he says, do you understand which you're reading? And so he had to get involved now with him and begin to share God's word. He had to have a council of Scripture, that is, to explain the plan of salvation to them according to God's Word. This ought to free you. I've told you this so many times. Maybe you're visiting this morning. You've never heard this. Listen, when it comes to sharing the gospel, you don't have to come up with anything. All you have to do is just simply say, Thus saith the Lord, and let God's Word speak. That's all you have to do. But it takes explaining that scripture to them so that they can understand. You're going to be, you're going to be a mouthpiece. Verse 31, the Spirit was working in his heart. And he says, well, how can I unless someone guides me? He realized all he was reading was absolute words. He couldn't see the spiritual implications. What he couldn't see, friend, don't miss this. He couldn't see Jesus in Isaiah 53. That's what he couldn't see. And so Philip just began to share with him because the Bible says in Romans 10, 17 that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. Three verses before that in verse 14 says, how shall they hear without a preacher? Someone's got to tell someone what the word of God says in order for them to be saved. And so he began just to take Isaiah 53 and to share those scriptures with him. And the Bible says he just opened them, verse number 35, and he preached Jesus unto him. He simply shared was Isaiah 53 had to share about the, the word of God, about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Listen to me. If you're going to give counsel of Scripture, and you're going to share with someone what the Bible says about the plan of salvation, three things you have to share. Number one, you have to talk about sin. You have to share with them that all have sinned, and that means them. You have to do that, and that's uncomfortable. But you've got to let them know that. And then number two, you've got to talk about Christ's death and his resurrection. Because that's God's payment for our sins in spite of us and in our place. And then third, you have to talk about salvation by grace through faith. And man's responsibility to turn and receive Christ. You have to do those three things. If you don't do those three things, then you've not counseled someone from Scripture and what God says it takes to be saved. You have to do this. And Philip did all of that. He began just to preach Jesus, the Bible says, from Isaiah chapter 53. Verses 1 and 2 of Isaiah 53, Isaiah wrote about his birth. 
that Jesus Christ would be born of a virgin, that God would bypass man's sin nature, and Christ would be born into this world fully human, but fully God without a sin nature. And so he shared that with him. Verse 3 of Isaiah 53 talks about his life. It would be a life of sorrow. He would not be esteemed. John chapter 1 verse 11 says, He came into his own, and his own received him not. And so he preached that to him. He told him the life that he had lived. Verses 4 through 9 of Isaiah 53 speak of Christ's substitutionary death. What's that mean? It means that Christ died in our place. I can tell you, my brother loved me growing up, and he still does to this day. I talked to him last night on the phone. But my brother never loved me enough to go take a whipping in my place from my daddy. I want you to listen to me. Jesus Christ took my whipping, and he took yours. He took Bentley's. When Jesus died on the cross, listen, he died in your place. And I want to tell you something else. It wasn't that the Jews or the Romans did it. God sent him to do that. It, it would be as if, friend, you were serving in a jury, and you'd been in jury duty all week long, and it was a capital murder trial, and you had heard all the evidence. And the man who had murdered that innocent woman in the park that was jogging, you saw the video. You heard the testimony. You heard the eyewitnesses. And you declared with all the other jurors, he's guilty. He's guilty. Juror number six, what you say, and you stood up and you say, guilty. But your honor, I want you to know this. I want my son to go to jail in his place. I want him to go free, and I want my son to go in his place. I want, him, I want my son to go sit in the electric chair and die in this man's place that's guilty. Anybody here that would do that? Certainly you wouldn't, but it's what Almighty God did for you because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And whosoever believed in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Friend, you and I stand before God guilty in our sin, but He loves you so much He sent Christ to die in your place. That's grace. That's grace. And that's what he shared with him that day. The substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. But friend, it gets better. Verses 10 through 12 of Isaiah 53 speak about the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. He died, but on the third day, he rose from the grave. And he ever lives today to make intercession for us. He's waiting to hear from you today if you've never been saved. He wants to hear from you. He loves you and he wants to receive you unto himself, that his Holy Spirit might come live in your heart and give you life and life more abundantly. How did the Ethiopian hear all these things? How is it that he was able now to understand what Isaiah 53 said? Don't miss this. Because Philip took the time to explain God's word to him. To share simply what the Bible says about sin, Christ's death, Christ's resurrection, and the eunuch's responsibility to turn and receive Jesus to be Lord over every area of his life. He took that time to counsel him in Scripture. But then fourth, there was a call to surrender. He didn't leave it just there. Friend, he invited that Ethiopian to experience Jesus. He just didn't say, hey, look, being a Christian so great, and God will forgive you. Have a great life. That's what most preachers do at funerals. Well, we're gathered here today. We want you to know, we'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say you need to be prepared for eternity. God loves you. Jesus died for you. Hope you'll handle that one day. Let's bow our heads for prayer.
That's what most do. They never invite people to turn and trust Christ. Most churches today, because of Calvinism, our invitations are silent. Don't you know today, friend, if you came here lost, you may leave lost, but it's not going to be because we, don't, we on God's behalf, on God's behalf, we don't invite you to turn and trust Christ. That's what I'm so glad somebody invited me on a warm summer night in Waynesville, North Carolina. Preacher Gary Heron said, Whosoever will may come now, who would be saved? And the Spirit of God moved in my heart, and I went forward, and I trusted Jesus to be Lord of my life. And God help us when we share with people on the job, in the park, wherever it is. Not just to simply be satisfied to share, but to invite people then. Understanding what I've shared with you, can you think of any reason why you shouldn't trust Jesus to be Lord of your life? Then do it right now. Do it. And that's what, that's what Philip did. He invited him. Look what the Bible says in verse number 36. So he's been talking with him. He's been sharing with him. He opened his mouth. Verse 35, beginning at that scripture, he preached Jesus unto him from Isaiah 53. Now, as they went down the road, he, just, he continues to go with him. Friend, listen. It's happened a couple of times someone's just said, man, I want to get saved right now. But very rarely does it happen. You've got to keep going down the road with a person. You can't give up. You can't get frustrated. You can't get mad. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. And you just keep praying and going down the road with them, so to speak. Does that make sense? Say amen. Just day by day, friend, you keep just going down the road with them. You don't give up. You keep praying, you keep calling. I, I worked with a boy at UPS. Well, I only share this by way of encouragement. Worked with him for two solid years. His name was Matt Schmidt. I hope he hears this some way through the internet. And, and Schmidt, he would call me. He, he would call me at night, and he'd be up, so upset and mad about his life. He'd talk to me on the job, and I'd share, I'd share the plan of salvation with him. I'd invite him to trust Christ, and he never would. Friend, you could have sent him to a stadium, and he could have preached a gospel message. He knew the plan of salvation up here, backwards and forwards, but he would not receive Christ into his life. And just kept praying for him, encouraging him, praying for him and encouraging him. And then one night he called me and he said, I'm ready, I want to get saved. And he prayed to receive Jesus Christ. After two years, we had to just keep going down the road with him. There's some of you here today, you had people pray for you more than two years. Just kept praying, just kept praying, just kept praying. Friend, above all of that, God was patient, God was long-suffering, and he was gracious. But don't mistake God's patience for permissiveness. Just because God wants to see you safe, friend, and is giving you an opportunity today to be safe, doesn't mean that opportunity will exist tomorrow. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you know not what the day will bring. And if God's calling you and God's drawing you to salvation, I invite you today, like Philip did this man, to turn and trust Christ. The Bible says as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch, he's got things backward. He says, surely Philip's talked to him about baptism. Maybe he saw somebody in Jerusalem being baptized. He said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Philip says, you've got it backwards. Baptism can't save you. Verse 37, he says, if you believe with all your heart, believe what? Believe on Jesus to be Lord of your life. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You don't get saved by trusting Jesus to be your Savior. You don't get saved by believing in the plan of salvation. 
You get saved by receiving the man of salvation to be Lord of your life. He says, if you believe with all your heart, that's trusting Christ to be Lord, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Friend, he responded with what words all he knew to say, I trust Jesus. We know he got saved because the Bible says he went on his way rejoicing. And friend, the only joy that can come from the joy of the Lord is when you've been born again. And so he received Christ. And then notice this, I just want to encourage maybe some this morning, that baptism comes after salvation. It's always after salvation. There may be someone here this morning, you made a profession, you were baptized, but you really got saved at a later date. In order to be right with Scripture and to be right with God, you need to be baptized. Baptism always comes after salvation. Never before. Never before. And baptism doesn't save us, friend. Am I still married? Hello? I am. My wife's like, going, no, 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 no. This is a wedding ring. Am I still married? I'm married. If I lose it, I'm still married. If I couldn't, if I'd been, we'd been poor in Job's turkey, and we were, and I couldn't afford it a ring, I'd still been married. We entered into a covenant marriage. I wear this ring to demonstrate that I belong to Melissa Chandler. And when you are baptized, you are making a visible demonstration that you belong to Jesus Christ. That's all it is, friend. It's an outward profession of the possession that you already have in your heart. And so he understood these things and he responded. But it happened because there was a call to surrender. And so the eunuch, he grabbed hold by faith. He grabbed hold. There's an opportunity before him to be saved. He recognized he was lost. He saw what Jesus had done for him. And he trusted Christ. I want to ask you this morning. Everybody look up here at me. Are you ready for eternity? Are you ready for eternity? Someone has described eternity as this. It's as if you could take a teaspoon, go to the coast of North Carolina, dip that spoon in the Atlantic Ocean, then walk all the way across the state of North Carolina, Tennessee, and just continue all the way across Arkansas, Midwest, all the way till you came to Nevada and then into California, dump that teaspoon in the Pacific Ocean, make the trek all the way back across, get another teaspoonful, and when you finally emptied the Atlantic Ocean, eternity would have just begun. That's eternity. And when you die, listen, the Bible says there's only two places that you're going to go, either heaven or hell. There's no in-between. And what you do with Jesus Christ, the Bible says, determines where you spend eternity. And if you leave this earth, you draw your last breath, listen, without turning from sin and by faith trusting Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life and you die, the Bible says you'll wake up in a place called hell. You can never be religious enough, good enough, a lawyer can't get you out. All the good that you've done in earth can never outweigh your sin. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 7, to a very religious man, you must be born again. And as Philip encouraged that eunuch to turn and receive Jesus Christ, everybody look up here at me. We're going to invitation. Everybody look at me. If you've never trusted Christ to be Lord of your life, what is there in your life that's worth going to hell over? I mean, look at me. Do you really want to go to hell? 
Do you really want to go to hell? If you want to be saved, would you not turn and receive the same Jesus today? Choose to confess your sin. Turn from it. Believe that Jesus died for you, that he rose again, and ask him to come live in your heart and be king of your life. And the Bible says that if you will call upon him, it doesn't matter what you've done in life, if you will call on him to come live in your heart and reign, he will save you from your sin. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Have you done that? Has there truly been a moment in your life where you've repented and you've trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life? If you haven't, I invite you to do it right now. He loves you. He died for you. But you must choose to trust him now. Tell him so right now in a simple prayer of faith, silently where you sit. Now listen to me. The most important decision you're ever going to make in life is not what 401k you go with. It's not the job that you have, where your kids go to college, what insurance you get to add to your retirement insurance. It's what you do with Jesus Christ. This isn't about joining the church, getting involved in Sunday school. This isn't about being baptized. This is about you turning from sin and trusting Jesus to be Lord of your life. And if you've never done that, I don't care, friend, if you were raised in church, you lived beside a church, your dad was a preacher, it matters not. If you've never received Jesus Christ, you're lost and you need to be saved. Trust him right now, won't you? From the depths of your heart, respond to his love and ask him to come live in your heart. Pray just like this, but you've got to mean it. It's got to mean from, come from your heart. Pray just like this. Oh God, forgive me a sinner. Right here and right now today, just like that eunuch did, I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. And I'm turning from all my sin to you, God. And I want Jesus to come live in my heart and be Lord of my life. Now take my life, take me, and make me into the man or the woman that you want me to be. That's my prayer. In just a moment, they're going, to start, they're going to sing when we stand our feet. If you prayed that prayer, you asked Christ to come live in your heart, I want to encourage you in that decision. Won't you make your way to the front when they, we stand and sing in just a minute? And all you've got to say is, I trusted Christ today. What's next? And I want to share with you what God wants to do in your life. Friend, how many... How many how many Ethiopian eunuchs did you walk by last week? How many people just like him was God calling you and leading you to go draw near to, to build a relationship with and to share with that just wasn't convenient? It wasn't time. Yesterday's gone. But today is here. Tomorrow may be before us if God gives us another day. Would you not... Pray and ask God to forgive you of unfaithfulness last week. But make yourself available starting now, just like Philip. That wherever he leads, you'll go and live on mission. Might this be your prayer this morning? Oh God, thank you for the privilege of a ministry that angels can't even be a part of. To go and explain to someone how much you love them how you demonstrated that in sending Jesus to die for them and how they need to turn and trust you to be Lord of their life. God, pull away any apathy and indifference that I've allowed the devil to build up in my life 
like plaque builds in a heart. And Father, I pray that I'll be tender and broken over lostness. Use me today, and God, should you give us another day tomorrow to draw near to others and to verbally tell them what Christ has done for them and invite them to receive Jesus Christ. That's my prayer of commitment. Father, I pray other decisions that need to be made will be found in you today as you invite us and you draw us. I pray that we'll bow our will to yours. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's reverently stand.